0: Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th,
1: only on Hulu.
0: Necessary Roughness with former NFL lineman T.J. Lang and John Jansen. Well, the Lions... Not a great outing on Sunday. Probably the worst of the year. They lose to the Cincinnati Bengals, 34-11. You're listening to Necessary Roughness with Lang and Jansen. T.J. Lang, 10-year NFL vet with the Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions. I'm John Jansen, 10 years with the the Washington Redskins, now the football team, and uh, another one in Detroit. Uh, And T.J., you were on the sidelines. We talk about this kind of—we break down the game a little bit every week, and, and we don't want to spend too much time on this, but there are a few things that happened on Sunday um, that we do need to talk about, we need to discuss, we need to um, to just let our listeners know our thoughts on them, and we're going to have some fun throughout this show. Uh, but your initial reaction from the sidelines as the Lions drop one to the Bengals, 34-11. to 11. I mean, it was both halves were bad. Yeah, it it probably wasn't – I mean, it wasn't probably the worst game. It was the worst game. I mean, uh,
2: really the first time that – you know, we just – and like Coach said, first time we saw them get their ass kicked. You know, in each game – the first five games you saw flashes, right? And usually they came in halves, right? Second half against 49ers. First half against Green Bay. uh, Second half against Baltimore, Minnesota, whatever. Yeah. this was the first one that just was one of those games where nothing went right mm-hmm. and the biggest uh, disappointment in my mind was your defense was playing pretty good football in the first half I it's, mean they gave points they gave you yeah and really the one shot play at the end of the half to allow them to get to ten but uh the Lions offense had so many opportunities to uh, go tie that game up seven seven, uh, you know, through twenty minutes, through twenty five minutes of that first half, uh, and they just could not get anything going. I mean, you you talk about uh, the defense getting another big takeaway, right? Setting your setting your team up, setting your offense up for, with, with a chance to go score, and uh, you turn the ball right over back. Uh, you talk about the play to uh, T.J. Hawkinson that was well designed. Um, had him, you know, kind of coming out of the backfield, little wheel route, had him wide open, and uh, just an overthrow. And I know that, uh, you know, the coaches, they've hinted at maybe there was a, you know, mistake on somebody's part, whether it was the route tree or uh, miscommunication, I think, is the way they put it. But um, even if you're Jared Goff, you have to find a way to hit that. I mean, part of playing quarterback is is adjusting on the fly, right? And even if Hawkinson, maybe he was – two yards too wide of where he should have been I mean there's no pressure on that play right you could take your time you can adjust and and you can deliver an accurate ball um, it was just one of those games where uh, they were just heavily outplayed and uh, at least offensively uh, speaking heavily outcoached and that was probably you know the first time that you saw just some disturbing, things yeah, happening. Disturbing on the trends. Field. Yeah, yeah, disturbing trends, and I think that was the first time. But it was,
0: for me, was the, the, the start of that game. The first drive. Um, you know, you, you get a chance to start off. You get a you know decent yardage on first down, and it's second and seven. Then Hawkinson picks up the first with the throw, but he lines up wrong. So it comes back. Now it's second and 12. Uh, then there's a penalty on Sewell. It's second and 17. You yeah. pick up one on a run. It's third and 16, and then... You give up a pressure, and I know it's Penny Sewell again giving up the pressure, but it was a pass where DeAndre Swift um, coming out of the backfield was open. I don't yeah. know if he picks up 16 yards or not, but we've seen quarterbacks, even under pressure, be able to deliver the ball. Yeah, And so it's not that Jared Goff, we're not saying that he's he's not dealing with um, a tough situation. Right. You don't have a lot of talent at receiver. You don't have a great depth At wide receiver, Uh, your offensive line without Decker, um, without Ragnow, you've got guys moving around up front. Um, You know there's going to be pressures, but when the plays are there to be made, they've got to be made. There was another one I think it was in the second quarter where you know there's a rollout to the right, so he's rolling to his throwing shoulder. Uh, Should be an easy an easy look for him to be able to see what the field looks like, who's open, who's not, and. He checks it down on a little flare route to DeAndre Swift, and Darren Fowles is running in, you know, first down yardage. Yeah, he's got three yard. He's got three steps. Yeah, on the linebacker. Him. Yeah, um, I just don't know if he's not seeing it. If that's, he's so rattled that he's just trying to get the easy pass. Yeah,
2: that's that's what it seemed like though. Is that
0: um, he just wasn't seeing the field
2: very well. He was locking in on one guy. Uh, you know, if it wasn't there, it was kind of panic mode. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I know he's been kind of crushed on that throughout his career as being labeled a one-read type guy, but there's been flashes this season of him improvising and getting out of the pocket and finding different targets and whatnot. And uh, he's he's shown that he can do that. Uh, this past game, though, it just was – there was no rhythm to the offense. There was no rhythm to the passing game. And even the play, uh, I think it was a third and – uh, either 9 or 10 and, you know, they throw to Hawkinson for 6, 7 yards yeah. and, you know, you're punting. I mean, if he releases that ball, uh, you know, a second earlier, Hawkinson's got four steps on the guy. You yeah. know, Hawkinson has to slow down because it's kind of scramble mode there, but um, just not seeing the field right now. And you, you can make excuses saying, sure, who, who is he throwing to, right? Um, but the, the bottom line is, you, you look around the league and there's quarterbacks that make plays i mean when you see a guy one-on-one coverage i mean just give him a chance to go make yep. a play and there's too many times where uh when jared goff does try to get makes uh, let somebody make a play he's either overthrowing it or he's throwing it out of bounds i mean look at the long throw he had down the sideline to cadero yeah. uh, hodge and it was a great catch but by the time he caught it, was three yards <laughs> out of bounds it's, it's like you got to give these guys a chance and you know, I know Coach Campbell's obviously frustrated after the game. He he uh, uh, challenged Jared Goff a little bit individually. I know he was asked specifically about him, um, but he was very
0: honest with his answer. Well, he was, and, and here is, is the, the quote from head coach Dan Campbell on his quarterback, Jared Goff. Yeah,
2: look, I, I think, I will say this, I still don't feel like... Um, I don't feel like we can accurately judge him one way or another. Um, I don't feel that way yet. Now, I will say this, um, I feel like he needs to step up more than he has. And I think he, I think he needs to help us, you know, just like everybody else. And, uh, I think he, he's, got a, he's going to need to put a little bit of weight on his shoulders here, and it's time to step up and make some throws and do some things. You heard that long pause, too. I mean, he he was you know, thinking about it. Coach Campbell's been uh, really applauded so far through uh, the last couple months with his transparency and honesty, and uh, that pause kind of let me know, okay, he's got to word this carefully, right? There's a position that as, a, as a head coach, you don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Uh, You don't want to call guys out individually, uh, necessarily, but there is a time, and I think this time was appropriate, when you have to challenge your guys, Mm -hmm. and you have to challenge leaders on your team to step up and make plays, and I think when you go back to the beginning of that statement where he said, you know, we we can't accurately judge uh, him him right now, and that probably, you know, read between the lines, hey... (laughs) He doesn't. We don't have any all-pro receivers. We don't have a bunch of studs on the outside to, to, <laughs> Still, to let him go make plays. We're playing with a makeshift right. offensive yeah, line right, right now. We're playing with a lot of guys who, let's be honest, you know, are probably not starters in the NFL yet. We need more from him. And when the time, when there are times where guys are open, we need you to make the play. Right? Yep. It's not going to happen. We're not going to call forty passes and you are going to complete thirty-eight of them. Um, but. When they are there, you have to capitalize. And I think that's been kind of the, uh, big, the the biggest negative about this team so far is that when they do have opportunities, they're not capitalizing. And that starts, obviously, with the quarterback position. There were a ton of plays Sunday that the throw was there, the play was there, and they just didn't get it executed.
0: And, uh, you know, the reaction, we're going to talk about the reaction to him I don't even want to call it calling out Jared Goff because I've had coaches say things like that in the media and it's if they're not if they're saying something that's not true
2: then it pisses you then off. it
0: pisses you off right. but it, it first of all it was very gentle in how he yeah, put it it's very calculated but yeah he's not throwing, throwing under anybody the, under the exactly. bus exactly if
2: they throw you under the bus and they're just kind of covering your own ass uh as players, it pisses you off, and even you know, even when like this instant, it probably did piss Jared Goff Hopefully off a little it did. bit. But you know what? At the end of the day, if you're uh, an accountable person and you're a true leader, you're going to take that in stride. And and there's part there's at the end of the day, you know he's right. That's yeah. what it comes down to.
0: He's not saying anything that the fans, that other players across the NFL, when they watch this game. That they're not seeing. Right. And, it's and not like,
2: what is he talking about? Jared Goff played great. Well, you look at the stats, right? If you didn't watch the game and look at the stats, uh, 30, 38 of 42, you know, that's not bad, right? But, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you didn't watch the game, you could see, okay, maybe you play, you know, if you watch the game, you're saying, you can't get all saying the we the all agree with Coach Campbell. Yeah, yeah, you can't even get into the opponent's territory. So I didn't have a problem with it, man. And I don't think that. Uh, hopefully Jared Goff didn't. I mean, he seems like the type of guy that, you know, take it in stride. And he, he's probably the first guy to probably echo coach's statements. Mm-hmm. You know, I do need to play better. And that's ultimately, it comes down to accountability. And, and uh, there's just times where, you know, as a coach, you, you have to challenge guys sometimes and hope they step up.
0: And and before we get to the reaction that some in the national media had regarding uh, Dan Campbell's comments about Jared Goff, um, I, I think one of the other things that you you've, you've got to mention is the fact that, you know, let's just take a look at the last two weeks. At the end of of last week's game, you know, everybody was talking about, oh, well, is it, you know, Dan Campbell showed some emotion. Right. All right. And he talks about how hard these guys are working. I think when you pair that with what he said about Jared Goff this week, you've got, you know, a coach that you know has your back. But he's also not going to blow smoke up your ass, right. and he's not going to tell you. He's not going to, you know, go into the national media for his credibility or yours, and say, you know, oh yeah, I don't, you know, Jared Goff played fine, you know, blah blah blah, whatever it would yeah. be, and everybody else in the world is going, you know, no, we watched that game, he didn't play great, yeah. well, um, and and it's also he Dan Campbell, which wasn't included in that audio. Talked about everybody needs to step up. It's not just Jared
2: Goff, right? He didn't single him. I mean, obviously, he was asked a question directly about him, so you have to answer that. But he also did a nice job of, you know, not generalizing it towards one player, one position group. It was just a, it was a team effort. And uh, one, one other thing that you know kind of lets you know too is, is the coaches they wouldn't be saying this if they didn't think you were capable of being. A good player right if you're going out there with a backup quarterback and you're losing games I mean a lot of times coaches hey you know a guy played his ass off you know just came up short right, right. <laughs> if they're if they're holding you accountable that it lets you the expectations are higher they believe in you they believe that you're that type of player that can play better and should play better to for this team so uh that that to me is maybe if you want to look at the silver lining in there that. They expect Jared golf to be better because they believe in him.
0: Well, here is some of the reaction from the national media. And I know you and I have talked about this off air. We've texted about it. Um, I, I talked about it with Stoney on Tuesday morning. But this was Chris Carter on Good Morning Football, uh, courtesy of the NFL Network.
1: Rookie coach, mm. he should have an index card. Either someone from PR or someone from the organization should give him a little index card. Let him know what some of the stats are. What were some of the key numbers, how he's going to address it, some of the things that he might say to the media, not to his team. But, no, you just can't go to a press conference and just speak off off the cuff. No, that is not a professional head coach. Mm. Now, you got me confused as a player. Make up your mind. Last week you're crying, and this week you're criticizing the most valuable player in the franchise. Hmm. Let me tell you what Jared Goff needs right now. And a lot of people around the NFL, they might not admit this, but he needs a hug. He needs someone he can trust. Because if I go from the LA Rams to the Detroit, I do the reverse um, Eddie Murphy thing. Where Eddie Murphy, (laughs) Axel Foley. (laughs) Beverly Hills cop, he goes from Detroit to Hollywood. That's cool. Now he goes from LA to Detroit without the jacket. And then now I don't have support of the organization because the head coach is inexperienced and he gets off script. When was the last coach we've seen sit at that podium and criticize a player? You know the reason? It's been a long time. Because the coach and all 32 teams is telling them, hey, okay you know, I'll never talk about you to the media. Mm-hmm. I'll never say anything that I didn't go over with you. Equity. And then now I'm driving home and my wife or something, Twitter, someone's on my phone saying, man, did you hear what the coach said? So that right there, that's an amateur coach. Mm not supporting his quarterback, and not supporting his team because he did something that you're never supposed to do.
2: That's such a bull. It, it, it is. Oh my God. It, yeah. I, and I'll be honest with you, I, I I, didn't realize Chris Carter was so soft. I mean, I hate to say that, you know, but it, it's that's absolutely ridiculous. You hear coaches all the time hold guys accountable.
0: When was the last time a coach checked with you? before he went to talk about you or the offensive line or the
2: offense. I know you played, you know, you let up five sacks today. Is it okay if maybe I say, you know, you need to play a little better? Would you be okay (laughs) okay with that? Uh, Yeah, never. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Like, listen, and it's –
0: And and to throw out there, he uh, needs a
2: hug. This whole national media shit now, and it's been this way for a long time. I mean, I guarantee you Chris Carter didn't watch one second of that game. No or, listen, you, if, to or listen to the entire press it. conference probably probably or listen to everything else that coach Campbell said mhm uh now it's all just you know hot take central and hey, listen i that i mean do not put any stock in anything that chris carter just said no. that is absolute bullshit because first of all I think Dan Campbell has probably been one of the more consistent coaches we've seen with his messages. He, yep. he You know he's going to be honest. You know he's going to be open. Uh, he's not going to, you know, cover his own ass and put blame where, you know, blame necessarily shouldn't be. I mean, he's going to take responsibility as well, which he did uh, after the loss. Uh, as a player, I think you respect that more than anything. And what Chris Carter just said about how you don't, you don't know what you're going to get from him, I mean – one you, know crying, exactly one you know exactly what you know exactly what you're getting from Dan Campbell. Yes. It's the exact opposite. That's uh, I hate saying it, but it's a bunch. Of
0: it, it is if you don't have the full context of of the interview and this is what we see a lot in the national media especially when it's regarding Detroit because he's he's talking about, you know, Jared Goff going from LA to Detroit and how uh, you know even just in that he probably needs a hug. Now he's going from a team with a lot more talent to a team with less talent. All right, that's obvious. All right? He he went from a team competing for a Super Bowl to a team that's rebuilding. All right, that's obvious. But when you're when you're going to go that far and say that you know, your coach is unprofessional.
2: in An amateur. Yeah.
0: amateur. I mean, that, I think you put it very well, that it, it's complete bullshit. Uh, and we got to stop babying so many athletes. Mm. It's not like he came out and said, you know, I'm benching Jared Goff for this reason. He's the reason we lost. Right. He said he needs to perform better. And he also said in that same interview that uh, a quarterback, the expectations for the quarterback position... Are that he makes everyone else around him better. yeah. And and when you take that into context of where the Lions are right now with receivers that, I mean, we're, we've never, you know, we don't beat around the bush, right? This is not an all-star cast of wide receivers. yeah. They're, Tyrell Williams, their number one receiver coming into the season, hasn't played since week one because he's been on IR. And you've got so many of those different situations. And... You've got to find a way as a quarterback to get more out of the guys around you. And you do nice. that when they're open, you make the pass that's there to be made. You make the play that's there to be made. I forget, was it um, uh, the Chicago game? It's fourth and one. Amon Ra St. Brown is, is coming out of a break on the fourth down. Uh, I believe it was Amon Ra. Yeah. Um, and the pass is just a little bit ahead of him. Well, whether or not he ran the route exactly how it's supposed to be run, as a as a veteran quarterback dealing with a rookie receiver, you got to put that ball on him. Now all of a sudden, you you get back in the meeting room and say, "Hey, this is how I need you to run that route next mm-hmm. time." You coach him up, and that's what that, that's part of how you make those around you better. Right. Uh it's just it's frustrating to to hear a guy like Chris Carter who <laughs> is in the, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer. Right. Yeah. And he was a
2: he was a hell of a player. He was a hell of a player and he was a tough player when he played uh it's
0: lost that somewhere along the way
2: it, yeah i mean it's a, obviously a new day but yeah Feelings.
0: this i mean you're acting
2: like this is a mike singletary vernon davis mo- you know can't play with him can't win with him mm-hmm. you know like come on now. i mean <laughs> what what would you like the coach to say different i know this is the last we'll talk about it but what would you like coach what do you need better from your quarterback well you know i'm just yeah. I guess, you know, just maybe a couple more completions would be nice. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we get inside uh, the yeah, red zone.
0: Maybe, it would be nice to get yeah, in the end hope zone. He, you know,
2: we're going to just try to play a little better next week. And this isn't inter- intramural football, you know. You get paid a lot of money to go out there and, and execute and compete. And when it <laughs> doesn't go right, uh, you know, you, you got to have accountability. You got to have leadership. And you got to have guys that, you know, are going to stand there and not, not bull**** you. You're right, give you the truth. I think as players, it's really – the most you can ask for. Sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day, if it's consistent, and and, and I think Coach Campbell, if they when they finally do win a game, yeah, the praise is just is going to be it's going, to is going to be even higher than, uh, you know that maybe the, you can't even call it a negative, but it, the praise is going to be much higher for Jared Goff and the players than any criticism that he might have towards them after a loss.
0: Well, because the reason it's going to get done is that Jared Goff is going to finally put two halves together. Yeah. He's going to he's going to hit those receivers that he's supposed the plays that are supposed to be made are going to be there and it, Dan Campbell has has said this many times our margin for error is very slim. Yeah. We have to play a perfect game. So if you do get that win, it means that you accomplished all those things. There's no missed assignments. There's no, you know, missed plays that that, that should be made mm-hmm. that aren't. No dumb penalties. Yeah. yeah. And and so there's gonna be plenty of praise to go around. I do want to shift gears, but before we do, I want to let you know necessary roughness is brought to you by Southfield Chrysler, Dodge Deep Ram. Is your lease coming due and you're unsure what to do next? Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram wants to help. During Ram Power Days, tag one of the 500 new vehicles being built right now. Or if you want to, you can build your own custom vehicle to take delivery in as little as three weeks. This month... You're going to get an extra $750 back in dealer discount when you mention 97 won the ticket, necessary roughness, TJ Lang, John Jansen, whatever you want to do, use the keywords. They'll know what you're talking about. In addition to that, For every vehicle sold during the month of October, Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram will also donate $250 to a local breast cancer charity. So make a difference in the life of someone who needs it today when you purchase or lease a new vehicle from Southfield. All you got to do is log on to southfieldchrysler.com or better yet, stop into the dealership. You might see TJ over there. You might see me. I got to stop over there later in the week and meet Bill and Tim. They're the guys that run the show over there or their entire team. It's a great Team that they've got over there at Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram to get started today. So whether you live in West Bloomfield, Birmingham, Allen Park, or Warren, you're just a short drive or click away from the best car buying experience you're ever going to have. Visit them online at southfieldchrysler.com and remember, all roads and all towns lead to Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram at 11 and a half and Telegraph. Now, I mentioned you know shifting gears. We talk about young guys uh, on this team quite a bit because. We're not going to have a lot of wins. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. But we do have some really good young players. And we've talked about Penny Sewell. We've talked about Derek Barnes. We've talked about Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, and Alini McNeil, I think, is is playing extremely well for a third-round pick. You're getting great value out of him. And I, I, I'm excited about his future with the Detroit Lions. One of the guys that we haven't heard a lot about is Levi here Before we hear from Dan Campbell, uh, TJ, what have you seen from Levi, especially the last couple of weeks? Yeah, well, that's where, you know, against Minnesota, I think, was the first time uh, you
2: saw how disruptive he can be. And uh, when you look at the Lions' defense as a whole, I think their strength right now is probably the interior defensive line. Uh, when you throw in a couple of veterans with Nick Williams, Michael Brockers, and then you have uh, Ali McNeil and even John Pennessini I mean mm-hmm. when he's been in there has has been noticeable and now you throw Onzarike in there as well. I, th- I think that the Minnesota game you're you're looking at it saying wow, they, it, it's this might be a mismatch in the lions favor, yeah, uh, you know the battle between the D tackles and the interior offensive line. Um, that was the first game where I noticed him. Uh, that you felt his impact, um, you, that you saw some of the things uh, that you saw in the Washington College tape, the explosiveness, getting yep. off the ball, getting in the backfield and and being disruptive. You saw that happen a lot against Minnesota, and I know uh, you look at the stats. I think Minnesota, he notched four tackles last week against Cincinnati. He didn't make the stat sheet, but similar impact. I think uh, Cincinnati – they kept trying to run inside zone earlier yeah. in that game they weren't getting anything when they started busting the big ones and getting the run game it was it was coming on a, a lot of the outside zones mm-hmm. uh, the sweet plays getting to the ball to the edge uh, but the interior of that defensive line has been making a big impact and i i think that with Anzarike, he's it's and he, we even heard coach talk about it he's it's almost seems like he's finally starting to figure it out and there's always a point for every young player where uh, the light switch just goes on, and you're just, and everything starts to slow down for you a little bit. You start to understand what what the coaches are expecting out of you from scheme wise, and what your job is, and you start picking up on uh, tendencies. And when you can look at the smaller intricacies of the game, uh, you know, reading the offensive lineman stances, reading the motions, reading the, uh, the formations and, and starting to put yourself in good positions, uh, that light goes off at a certain time. And it seems like for Levi, uh, that light is, Slowly yeah. starting is, is finally starting to get there. Now, one thing I would like to see from him a little bit more is maybe, and I know he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities, but uh, if he can be a develop into a three down player and get you some inside pressure on third downs, uh, I think that would be huge because right now it's uh, a lot of the time they're bringing in, uh, you know, Julian O'Quara and, and Trey will kind of switch to the inside and rush yeah. over a guard and run a lot of games and stunts. If he can provide uh, a rush, aspect for you on third down. I mean, he's the the ceilings is is there's there's no limit for this kid. I mean no. he, he is he, he flashes. And the thing with him, just like any other rookie is consistency. He 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 probably felt really good after that Minnesota game about the impact that he made. Um now the key is consistently. He's shown us that you can do it. Once you show us you can play in this league, that's we expect you to play. And we expect you to perform at a high level. You, you're not a rookie anymore, as yeah. coaches like to say. You're a big-time player. We expect you to contribute. And I think that he's been, uh, you talk about young players, he's been one of those one of those guys that uh, really last couple weeks has, has stepped up big.
0: And the concern I had in him in the draft before the Lions even took him, um, and, and I had talked about this, was when you watch the film, there are times where he seems unblockable. Yeah. And there are other times where he's on the field, but it's like he disappears. And I'm, I'm, my concern with him is, is he going to be a guy that goes hard on every single play? And I think you, you just kind of addressed that where as a rookie, two things. One, you've got to learn from some of the veterans of what it means to be a pro. And, and how the when you have to get after it. And having Michael Brockers in there I think is a great example of a guy that he should be able to learn from. Um, and Dan Campbell somewhat addressed that issue um, in more of a learning uh, aspect. Um, and here's what Dan Ham- Campbell had to say about Levi Onzerrique.
2: Uh I thought last week in Minnesota was his best game, and then I thought this week you take – there's a couple of plays in there where he's, he stands straight up and he just gets – you know, you know how that is. If oh, you yeah. were if you were about to work a tray on him or a deuce, uh, you know, um, and he and the guy's going to stand straight up, and you can just knock him in the hip. He does a couple of those, but my gosh, man, he's beginning to figure it out. He's starting to play with a little more physicality. He's been out, fundamentally. He's getting better.
0: So it it that's to me just means that he's got the ability, but there are times where. You've got to know the situation and, and anticipate that double team. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into the terminology here in just a minute because um, whenever I hear a deuce, <laughs> it just kind of makes me laugh. Here's and he some, said this one on air with me and Stoney, and, and I had to turn my mic off because I was laughing, I'm, I'm I am five years old. There's some wacky football terminology. There, there are, but once he learns pad level, he yeah. learns the importance of every down, I think Enrique like you mentioned, is going to be a very good player. Yeah. So, when I, some of the terms that we use as offensive linemen, they carry over from team to team, from from college to the NFL, even from you know high school football. And a tray, and you you tell me if you if you had it any different. A tray is a double team between the tackle and the tight end. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's a, a you know a, a double team from a you know a five or a six eye back to a backside linebacker. A deuce is uh, between the guard and the tackle uh double teaming that three technique you know to that to that linebacker um did you have any terms that you had when you were playing because I have a few that were you know <laughs> they may be some they may be shocking to some ears yeah uh, but they're in 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 the locker room on the in the o line on the field they're just funny and sometimes we just say whatever comes to mind
2: yeah and there's sometimes where you know the coaches, give you some creative uh creative uh you know license leniency yeah uh you can (laughs) name it however you want (laughs) there's some play you know there and every team you play right you'll you'll see a weird look okay well what if they do this well you guys got to come up with a term then okay you want us to come up with a term you sure coach because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> there right. are microphones right. out there let's, let's huddle up a little bit guys let's think about it and, uh, it's okay. not the Peyton yeah. Manning it. Yeah. Okay. Yep, okay yep we got one all right and uh, yeah, there was one that sticks out to my mind and man I apologize to our listeners but uh, Donkey was a call that we legitimately had in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, and what was that for? It was I do not remember the scheme. It was like it was a power. I want to say it was a power scheme, and you know if they walked a linebacker up, we were going to have to really haul ass, and uh, it you know literally made yeah. no sense. But this was about the time where they started to put microphones on the centers, and uh, just for the TV purpose. So we noticed after a couple games. We're like, you know, you're watching the TV copy, and you're like, dude, they're you can, you hear, can hear all of our calls. Donkey, <laughs> you know, the immature guys that we had in our room, of course, were like, well, let's start, you know, start, start having some with fun them with, them. with them. Let's <laughs> start having fun with it. So, uh, I'll have to look up. Man, I, I can't remember which game it was, but it was hilarious, and we're watching the TV copy, and of course, clear as day, just donkey, donkey and it was just. I mean, you, you talk about <laughs> football is a serious game, right? But anytime you get a chance to get hey, a little bit a of a laugh, supposed to be and fun, have some fun, yeah. and just get that, uh, get that moment of you know, because then you see, you know, this was Twitter was still kind of new, but. You know, you see people posting videos and, what, what's this call they're yes. making? <laughs> and uh, that was probably the one that stood out. But you're right. The, most of the terms, I would say, for offensive linemen are universal. Uh, you know, there's you have the double-team blocks, whether it's backside of zone, front side of zone, uh, you know, front side of a power scheme, a gap scheme, a pull yep. scheme. Most of them are pretty – uh, universal, I think it varies a little yeah. bit team from team, you know, t- uh, but most of them, uh, that's the, don- <laughs> the donkey yeah, one was, was my favorite. That may I had be to, better than
0: mine. I had,
2: to, I had to ask a couple of my buddies in Green Bay uh, just to confirm because, you know, I knew we had a couple more. So what's um, the
0: phone conversation like? Do you close the door? Um, and he'd say, <laughs> hey, I'm going to talk to my buddies, yeah, and make sure the yeah, kids well, aren't listening. Yeah, well, they that guy for text. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: But yeah. It's, it was funny, man. We're trying to go through it. We had so much more. And we had an offensive line coach, too, Mike Solari, who was a great dude. Uh, he was an assistant, but uh, he used to be our protection uh, or the like the blitz uh you know coordinator of the week you know so for playing minnesota right he's studying all the double a gap mugs and mm-hmm. and he's coming up with all the calls and hey if two's in this position they usually run this and he's kind of breaking it down and uh you know there used to be one uh you know hey this is their blitz of the week right this is what we think they're going to get against us and when you see it it's we're just going to call it pot roast and it's like what the hell? You know, yeah, and Mike Solari never swore. You know, very good Christian guy. But it'd be hilarious because you're on the field and and something your neurons start clicking. And you're like, hey, hey, watch that pot roast! Watch that pot roast! And it's just the dumbest. <laughs> shit, but yeah. it just makes you laugh on the field. And uh, you yeah. know, some of the terminology, I mean, we had one. It's a lot was- different now because there's so many microphones yeah. on the field. And you watch a TV game now. I mean, you can hear. Everything and coaches use that to their advantage, too. Hey, guys, when you hear them saying this, yeah, you, you hear know, the ball this way, yeah, and then yeah. you got to start Listen for the know, donkey. Yeah, they call donkey. got watch out. I don't know what that is, but you know, watch out over here.
0: But <laughs> coach, uh, let me tell you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know you probably had a couple as well. Too, we though. did, we had one that, um, uh, it was the, the uh, and as a tackle, right? I'm, I'm supposed to call out the blitzes on the edge. So if you've got a single wide. Um, or you got the slot receiver, and you have got that either a linebacker or a nickelback that he wasn't on the receiver nearest to me, but he wasn't in the box. He wasn't in the linebacker yeah. area. He was in that space in between. Right in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. we used to call it the t- – and then Joe Pendry, who was our line coach uh, um, under Marty Schottenheimer, he he asked me and uh, uh, Corey Raymer, who was our center, he goes, what in the hell are you guys calling that? And I said, well, it's the t- – coach. And he, and he goes – what do you mean? I said, well, he's kind of in that space in between. And every time we would call it in the meeting room, right, we'd start laughing and he'd be like, what is that call again? I I, I coach. It's a, it's 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 not your ass, it's not your balls, it's that space in between. It's in that hairy area out there. We don't really know what to call it. Yeah, yeah, he's
2: in that land yeah. Over there.
0: yeah so we always I mean that's the but that's the beauty of all I play, right? Oh, that's man. why we are we have the most fun playing yeah. the game of football because hey, when it's serious, it's time to get after it, we get after it. When it's time to have some fun, we, we have some fun and, can, and we can mesh those two together. And you have to have those moments when you're playing. Oh, yeah. You have to. season's I mean, too long, too hard. Yeah, you have
2: to have those moments. Those moments of keeping it light, and uh, whether it's from players or coaches, because I've been a part of a team, uh, I'm sure you could guess where it was football, twenty four seven, and serious oh, yeah. business, and you know, no laughing, no fun, no this, no that. Well, when was that? Miserable. Uh, <laughs> it's right around my last year of playing. <laughs> <laughs> but Here it in the just, D, and it just—I mean, yeah. it physically, mentally, just kind of grinds you out. And I think that. You know, I took a lot of pride as being the guy to kind of try to keep things light. You know, mm-hmm. it's easy to tell when guys are kind of getting down a little bit or the day's getting long and, you know, guys want to get the hell out of there. And it's, it's you know, kind of the – everybody's got to have a little, you know, right, class geez. clown. Yeah, there, there you go. The dudes, everybody's <laughs> got to have a little class clown in them once in a while. Just, you know, not to, you know, around Charlie, but, uh, you know, just to keep things light. Get guys yep. to laugh and that goes a long way, man, especially in a locker room where things can be – well, let's be honest. In the Lions' locker room, you're probably not having a lot of fun right now. Nope. But if you got some guys that at least keep it light, I mean, it gives you something to look forward to coming to work. And uh, you know, uh, I always kind of took pride in being that guy. Luckily, I had a lot of other guys in Green Bay that like me, that with me that were like that too. I mean, yeah. we, we had a lot of fun. Those locker rooms were.
0: And there's a time and a place. Best times. Um, and, and I tell you what, the time and the place here, you two guys that have a lot of fun, uh, T.J. Lang, John Jansen, uh, we appreciate you getting serious with us at times, having some fun at times. We're going to continue to do that. Stay tuned here as we continue to go through this Lions football season and into the off season here on Necessary Roughness.